1: All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you live from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB, you can hear us on your device, and uh, you can get all these podcasts on iymoney.com, and we are free on iTunes if you search the title of the show. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's a best-selling author. He's a lecturer, and... He's a uh, family office expert advising several high-net-worth n- uh, families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? Doing great, Joe, as always. <laughs> I know you've got a lot to announce tonight uh, before we get to our guest, who is the illustrious Carl Shearler, who we have on the line, but we'll get to him in a moment. Uh, why don't you tell us about these great awards that we just heard about? Well, first about. thing, I want to talk about the movie I saw for Father's Day, which was... Love and
2: Mercy. About oh, the, God, yeah. About Brian Wilson, the famous beach boy. My mom, of course, was Brian Wilson's psychiatric nurse around starting June of 1978 when he was found living homeless here in San Diego near the Laurel Street Bridge. Now, that didn't come out in the movie. <laughs> that did not come out in the movie, but it is in his unauthorized biography. Wow. Who and, and the reader wrote about it.
1: Yeah, who knew that? Gee, I'll have to look that up. That's kind of yeah. cool, actually. Yeah, well, but I can't say too much. But anyway, yeah. the movie was, I mean, that was... A,
2: that, Love and Mercy is an incredible piece of work. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. you got to go see it. Well, yeah. you've seen it. I right?
1: have. The The young actor, I thought, was extraordinary. And, of course, after seeing The Wrecking Crew, which we're going to see again coming up, we have a special event coming up, which we'll, we'll talk about uh, at Qualcomm again. But um, that youngster uh, is exactly what was described in the film, how, how uh, um, Brian Wilson used to go you know, work with every musician in that, every studio musician, picking up their instruments, telling them, I want you to play this way and that way, and... Uh, I mean, this kid knew the arrangement. Yeah, that kid and... was great. But um, <laughs> John Cusack was a little bit of a
2: stretch as Brian Wilson. Yeah, well, he was too skinny. <laughs>
1: too skinny. Yeah, <laughs> and, his, and his hair was dyed or whatever. <laughs> it wasn't the same color. But it is. An, it's worth seeing if you're interested in that music. And of course, you know, their Pet Sounds album. I mean, even Paul McCartney said it was a big breakthrough album back in the day. And and um, I think we're getting back to some of that now. I think... I think "Surfs Up" is the greatest rock and roll song ever written. But really? I thought that long before I ever saw this movie. Hmm. I'll have to check that. Check one. out "Surfs Up." I will. I will. All right. What else? Okay. Awards. Awards.
2: UBS, our great sponsor. Yes. Drew Friedis and his team. Absolutely. Named top one in the top one hundred advisors by Barons. But that's not all. Not only were they named top one hundred by Barons, they were named in the top four hundred by the Financial. Time, So that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. So congratulations to to Drew Friedus team with UBS.
1: Both reputable resources there.
2: Couldn't do it without you guys. And, Mm oh, Mike Coranta, who's on that team, I'm having Mm -hmm. confirming breakfast with you at 7 o'clock Monday morning at Claire's in Solana Beach after you drop your son off at the Solana Beach train station.
1: You may have to pick up the tab for that one. (laughs) I may have to. Also,
2: the John Maxwell Leadership Awards for 2015 are going to be announced soon. But of the final 30 candidates for the John C. Maxwell Leadership Awards, Two of the 30 have been on our show as recent as this year. Well, earlier this year. Art Barter, who, of course, is the founder of the Servant Leadership Institute. Mm-hmm. And Art's one of the final 30, as well as Cheryl Batchelder, who is the CEO of Popeyes, Louisiana, kitchen so two of the top 30 for the john c maxwell awards have been bad. guests
1: on our show this year that's pretty amazing not bad adding to the uh, roster of uh, really notable people when you when you think about it. I, I've, the other day i mean if you go on our website folks and look up the guests at iwaymoney.com i mean we've got a pretty pretty cool cross-section of of notable people from don rickles and george to erwin jacobs and malin birdman who could say that i mean and, and <laughs> not to mention billie jean king and
2: yes goes on. but yep. speaking of people who are really really happy last week's guest. Paul Hines is real happy because the University of Virginia men's baseball team won the College World Series.
1: Well, that's got to be After falling
2: terrific. behind one game to none to Vanderbilt earlier this week, they won games two and three. That's hard and to And avenged do. last year's defeat in the finals to Vanderbilt. Hmm. So way to go, Cavaliers, number one in the nation.
1: Well, that's got to be – of course, it was on ESPN, right? That Correct. Was, yeah, so that's always yeah. a big deal because it's televised. Just like it's our, televised. Just like our Chula Vista team won the Little League a few years ago. That yeah. was crazy. <laughs> So that was cool. Yeah. So Because Paul was sweating bullets while we were doing the show
2: last week. And and I know
1: we're going to get to you in a minute, Carl, but uh, thank God for Dr. Chang. I think I got my sinusitis under control, but uh, they put me on prednisone this week in doxycycline, so... I finally am starting to feel human again. But folks, if you got, you know, don't let, don't suffer with that stuff. It's fatiguing, depressing, and and uh, you know, get to a doctor, get to a specialist, and get get what you need. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. But I tried everything: the neti pots and the green tea, and you know, tea tree oil up the nose. I mean, every darn thing. And uh, this is uh, helping. So, anyway, enough about me. No. Uh, the
2: Marines, and then Carl.
1: <laughs> oh yes. Well, Carl is a former Marine, so. Uh, today you know two times a year the marine band of san diego down uh, at the mcrd base provide a free concert to the public and today was their summer concert it was outdoor we had a little spray there for a little bit but not nothing serious and uh, just magnificent uh, musicianship uh, if you've ever had the pleasure of hearing any of our military bands uh, these are top-notch uh, um, musicians so I highly recommend it to you I'm sure the 4th of July and other holidays uh, they're out are out and about but um, anyway it was a real honor to to be there and enjoy them and now the managing one of the managing partners of the Berkeley Research Group, a valuation, a nationally noted valuation expert, uh, on long distance phone from his residence, the great Dr. Carl Sheeler. Carl, how are you tonight?
0: I am doing very well, Joe Richard. <laughs> pleasure as
1: always. Sorry to keep you, but we just had a lot to talk about at the top of the show. But we have plenty of
0: time for you too. So,
1: so you're at your ranch in New Mexico. Yes, I am. Any, any baby horses running <laughs> around? <laughs> no,
0: but some uh, really good uh, thunder boomers. Does the, okay.
1: Does a deer have a little doe? No, three bucks. You remember that one, right? Yeah, three right. Stooges. <laughs> three stooges. <laughs> uh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so you were a Marine, right, Carl? Have you, yeah. you ever heard the Marine Band? Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Aren't they um, phenomenal? Ethan and I is uh, also the place to go. Uh, if you spend some time in D.C., yeah. they have tours.
1: 8th and I, what is that?
0: Um, that's actually the where they are camped. Um, that uh, Marine detachment is called uh, the President's Own.
1: Oh, okay. So when you see the
0: helicopters go up and the
1: oh. Marine's
0: looting, that's... Part of the Eighth and
1: I. Well, I know uh, David Letterman brought the Marine Band on a few times uh, on his show, and boy, it just blew it just blew me away. Those, I mean, the, but they're all they're just so talented and disciplined and and, and awesome. I mean, uh, it's just great music. So
0: if you ever want to treat, it's it's not just the music, but they're um, they have a um, a platoon that specializes in uh, various. Marching with the rifles and uh, the sword saluting and some of the stuff that they do are is uncanny it 's like did I just see that? huh? Uh, so it's, it oh,
1: yeah, when they're tossing rifles back and everything's so synchronized. I mean, yeah. yeah, I think I've seen a little bit of that. But uh, I'm sure on YouTube, if, uh, if you search around, stuff's got
0: to be out there. But
1: but anyway, what's the latest and grades evaluation? you have any uh, cool
0: new cases well, to us uh, about? Well, one of the things that uh, I've been cautioning uh, about, and Richard knows about this, mm-hmm. is um, – it really does pay to make sure that if you're going to retain a business appraiser, that you spend adequate time in that investment, because oftentimes we're talking about the savings of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in taxes. Obviously, it depends on what's being uh, valued. because. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's a simple way to look at it. Um, If the average CPA that does appraisal will do about three a year, um, and each one of them uh, takes about 30 hours, that's 90 hours, how many years would they have to practice valuation before they hit what's considered that 10,000 hours worth of mastery? And the answer is not during their career. Yeah, right. Or even their so,
2: lifetime. <laughs> so
0: so the, the only solution to that is is to make sure that you're going to retain somebody that has made it a full-time uh, career, that they're appropriately certified by a recognized organization, that you know, perhaps they're a thought leader or, or certainly well-versed in the various elements of uh, valuation. Is what's the value of an equity interest in a privately held entity? And the IRS is finally tightening down on that. They did that uh, over 20 years ago, as Richard knows, with uh, Chapter 14, which essentially created regulation that says this is what we're going to recognize, even if it makes sense or not, because we think that there's too many abuses. Well, not unlike the SNL l crisis that was blamed on real estate appraisers and then ended up having congressionally mandated state licensing at each one of the state levels, um, the IRS is essentially being a regulatory body, has the ability through the executive branch to essentially institute new rules that say, if you transfer an equity interest in your private business, in your private Farm in your limited partnership, we may not recognize those discounts any longer, hmm. and so uh, that probably was promulgated by an, an insane number of reports that perhaps didn't hit quite the intellectual rigor that they needed to.
1: Hmm. Now your new outfit—they're pretty uh, a national, a national organization. Berkeley they were Research. a global
0: firm. As a matter of fact, we just uh, um, merged a eighty man. Uh, in Chicago and New York, some presence in uh, California called Capstone.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I know them.
0: Turnaround, mm-hmm. good for you guys. Uh, industry now that brings us up to about 800 strong.
1: Wow! And then you're in London and even Perth, Australia, right? I mean, uh, correct. <laughs> well, and you yourself, Carl. I mean, I just noticed this. Uh, you've testified in, in, in legal cases on 165 occasions, and then you've uh, you've issued uh, opinions on in more than 1,000 engagements. So. Uh, And plus the resources of your firm probably make you pretty formidable as well, right?
0: It it certainly doesn't hurt. Here's, again, just a a simplistic way of uh, looking at it, but sometimes it's the best way. Our message and my message is is that anybody that's considering – um, the yardstick of a business has been taught to look at the top line and the bottom line, particularly from a standpoint of how much income am I generating from my business. Fully understand why that is. Mm-hmm. Understand why the advisors look at that. But here's the funny thing when you invest in publicly traded companies, what do you look at? You buy a stock low, you want to sell it high. That's referred to as capital appreciation, that's mm-hmm. the growth of the stock. Mm-hmm. Um, dividends or yield or income is secondary. That's not uh, generating your majority of return. Conversely, we don't teach business owners or their advisors how to measure value. And when it comes down to valuation, it's not so much about the income. It's relevant But it's even more relevant, their growth rate, and more relevant still, reduction of risks. So the more they lower risks, the higher the price multiple goes, but they're not usually trained to do so. Mm -hmm. So as Richard knows, I've I've written a book that actually addresses, well, how would I do this? How would I advise other people to do this?
1: Yeah, but Carl, let's take a little break right now. We'll come right back and into your book and all these other great things uh, right after this. Dr. Carl Struehler, Berkeley Research Group. We'll be right back. Carl Schuler, Berkeley Research Group managing director. You remember this song, Carl? This was "Man from Uncle." Carl. Yes, I do. Okay. You <laughs> want to hear the song? <laughs> yeah, R-
2: Robert Vaughn and David McCallum.
0: Yep, 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 yep. Very cool.
2: Hey, Carl, I want to ask I'm you a question.
0: Maxwell Smart, kind of guy, but yeah, yeah. I know. That's you know, well, we that's, gotta,
2: that's the second best song I've ever heard. Gee. We'll,
0: we'll get <laughs>
1: we'll get Maxwell Smart later on. Thanks for reminding us. <laughs> Hey, Carl, uh,
2: I want to ask you a question about valuation. I, I exist in a world of attorneys and CPAs where it would be my humble opinion that in most cases, the valuation expert is brought in too late. In other words, they're brought into value something that's already happened, like I've done this family limited partnership. I've given shares to my kids. What's the value to report on a gift tax return? Or I want to list my company for sale next month. Um, what do you think the value is so we can pick the right price you know, to work with the investment bankers? I know you guys are a lot different because you look at value as a thing that can actually be, um, shall we say, worked on before you get to the point of sale, transfer, or whatever it is that you want to accomplish. Can you comment on that, please?
0: Uh, yeah, be happy to. Um, so this is going to be a little bit of a, an odd thought for somebody uh, that spent their part of his career being thought of as a financial guy. The secret sauce, here today only on this radio station is it's not just financial capital it's human capital mm. and what that really means is that if i have a better way to govern my business if i have a culture in my organization that's thought leadership if it's conscious capitalism um if i have unique relationships that my competitors don't have, which includes all the trusted advisors that I work with, that they're providing me knowledge that I can't get on the Internet and that it's aligned and cohesive, I'm going to create a much more valuable organization. Um, I'm going to be uh, proactive as opposed to reactive. We refer to it as dynamic capability. But the point being is it's a game-changer for the typical uh, business that has been kind of run maybe a little bit too much of a lifestyle, whether we're talking about a $5 million-a-year revenue business, uh, fifty, 500 million, $500 it, it comes down to reexamining the way that a, a business operates. And if you stripped out everything and just said, okay, here's the brick and the mortar, and here's everything that we could see on the financial statements, I just asked simple questions like, so where where's all of the relationships that you're tracking? Uh, how about the knowledge? And although there is something called intangible assets, that's not typically something that anybody tracks. But, so what it does is it creates a change in the way that the advisor hopefully will advise the client um, much more uh, proactive, recognizes that they have to be part of a team, that particular business owner and their family. So you have the the family and you have the firm. Both have uh, very relevant roles in influencing outcomes. And what I would like to say that I'm very happy about, very passionate about, is they realize that they have options that they didn't know that they had. And, and so that's all part of it. What people should be paying for is not what my hour costs, but the value that we can bring to a organization or a situation. Whether it's just tax savings, or I want to have my business grow from a value of 10 million to, say, a value of 50 million, but I don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, you're very uh, spot on. If we're we're all technical, tactical, ad hoc, and misaligned, <laughs> why do we not? find it a surprise that the business owner looks at the advisors and says, okay, I have to call you, but I'm, I want to keep those hours down because they see it as an expense. Same thing with how they interact with their financial advisors. They look at it as an expense because they cannot get a sense that they're getting value add above and beyond whatever fees that they're paying.
2: Yeah, and the, and the typical discussion, if, if, if a typical advisor does meet somebody who says, well, I want to increase the value of my company by five times and I'm selling 10 million or my profit's 1 million, the advisor says, well, then you have to sell five times as much or have five times as much profit which frequently isn't the correct answer because of this four-letter word. We, we always get beeped out on the station when we l- use four-letter words. So, I'm giving my engineer, a head, you know, this warning that I'm going to say risk, R-I-S-K. Risk. It's a four. It's a dirty okay, little word. 401K. Yeah, yeah, risk. Easy four. mnemonic
0: is Greek. Yeah. The Greeks being spelled with no E's and two R. so yeah. G-R-R-K, okay. yeah. and that's the governance those are the relationships, those are the risks, that's the knowledge.
2: But my point about Uh, risk is... is... that
0: you can manage that risk. Right. um, Let's say that your profits only jump by about 40%, and I would argue they probably would jump even more than that because you have an infrastructure Mm -hmm. that's geared towards value creation. Um, But if you can work on those types of things that you wouldn't think about are operating risks so that you're doing the due diligence that the buyer would have to do anyhow. A good example is if you sell a house and the roof needs to be replaced, you can expect that that buyer is going to ask for a concession. You can't tell that buyer, oh by the way, yeah the roof needs to be repaired, but I'm going to sell it to you as if the roof doesn't need to be prepared. Many of the business owner makes the assumption that the buyer will say, oh but look at all the potentiality in the business, well That's what I'm risking, okay? So I'm Mm -hmm. not going to pay you that multiple because you did not exercise that potentiality. Um, that's, That's when the deer in the headlights starts to... Occur So the earlier you have the conversation of saying, okay, are we going to have a culture in place with the governance? Are we going to recognize that relationships aren't just the ones that I have with my clients but also with my trusted advisors and my vendors and my family members? They're all constituents in this ecosystem we refer to as the business. If they could all be uh, paying attention to how to... Uh, amplify value and lower risks, and we can tap into all their collective knowledge, most of which is free. It's just that we don't ask them or we don't know what to ask them. Having that approach changes the way that they look at their business as opposed to um, just hoping. Hope and fear, um, that's probably not a good way to get your business going from ten million to fifty.
2: But but the point is if you reduce risk you typically will increase the multiple, the multiple being the Absolutely. multiplier times the cash flow that gets you to value. Absolutely. And, and, that say, and growth. And growth, exactly.
1: Won't well, be good. You know, some good ways to reduce risk, Richard. Should we wait till after the break? Let's then?
2: wait till after the break because yeah. we got to go to break soon. Okay, but Carl, soon. Um, I want to. I right. want to ask you a quick question. We're going to talk about the book after the break too. You you do some of the most interesting presentations. You were in Amsterdam recently where you did a presentation t- entitled "How a U.S. Marine Learned Four Critical Concepts to Leverage Human and Financial Capital." Hmm. How, did people look at you like you were strange, or did that go well? <laughs> um, it
0: certainly got a, a attention. I also had an unusually high. Uh, response rate uh, from these were people from all over uh, Europe that went to this uh, particular conference. And okay. We'll just say that it's not something that they had heard before and they were very interested
1: We'll, we'll go over that after the break too because that sounds interesting. I brought a copy Well let's get to the break right now Maxwell Smart Well Chief. Okay 99 we're out of here. We'll be back with Carl Sheeler from Berkeley Research Group right after New Sports Weather. Hang on
0: <laughs> wouldn't it be
1: nice alrighty we that's an honor of love and mercy and, and uh, Brian Wilson who's Richard's mother took care nice to of him for a good deal and it's a great film get out and see it folks and now this is the time in the show where Richard thanks our great sponsors so take it away wouldn't it be nice if I
2: thanked our great sponsors <laughs> so I will <laughs> Again, UBS, Drew Freitas, Michael Kaniger, Michael Caronta. Couldn't do it without you folks. Again, the award-winning team of Drew Freitas. Two of our favorite CPAs on the planet, in no particular order, since they're tied for first. Jason Kruger, CPA (laughs) with Signature Analytics, now based all along the West Coast, by far and away. The best CFO service that exists, so not a traditional CPA firm. Whereas Polito Epic CPAs in San Marcos, more traditional. Audits, reviews, all of those fun things. Paul Polito, Don Epic. And again, they have a new office in San Marcos, so two of our favorite CPAs on the planet. Of course, Carl Sheeler with Berkeley Research Group, by far and away the best business valuation firm on this Planet Earth doesn't get any better than those guys because they are entrepreneurial valuation experts who help you reduce risk and increase the value of your business. Speaking of making money, Joel Grushkin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. If you want to protect all that cash flow, you need to meet with Brenda Geiger, Geiger Law Offices, specializing in estate planning and asset protection. If you need somewhere to put all those savings in a bank, for example, how about Lane Elliott, California Republic Bank, a very interesting niche market bank in Orange County and San Diego County that specializes in working with wealthy families and family offices? Neil Staley, known as Mars Maddox Insurance, but now known as Hub International by far and away, the best employee benefits firm that I've ever met. And of course, great, exciting news. I don't know if it's, well, it's exciting news coming out of the Supreme Court earlier this week when the Supreme Court voted 6-3 to uphold various provisions of the Healthcare Reform Act. And if that had been overturned, that would have been a real mess. The LG experience in the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs and helping zero CPAs be heroes, not zeros, heroes, <laughs> to their very best clients. Yes, professional women's tennis coming back to San Diego in November. I have nothing to do at my Oceanside Turkey Trot anymore because we only get about 20,000 people there. So we're going to do the Carlsbad Classic. Check out cldclassic.com. And last but not least, last week's guest and University of Virginia alum, Paul Hines with Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, and org Again, EndFinancialAbuse.org. That was a great show last week. And Joe, how can our listeners find out more about this incredible roster of sponsors that
1: we have well all they have to do is get over to uh, iymoney.com there is a sponsor tab along the top along with many others but get over to that one there's a drop down menu and they can click on any one or all of them they get their bios and their contact information and anything else they need to know if they need any of those services and uh, we certainly appreciate the support and and, uh, allowing us to do what we do every week and of course we do bring home the bacon at the press club awards every year so Hey, those are coming up again. <laughs> they are. Well, the nominations. I mean, we have to are, submit. Yeah. yeah, the submissions. We, we have are.
2: too much material to submit. Uh, well, I I find I spent well, I, I spent a good couple days going through everything. The best so, of the best.
1: Yes. So so far so good. Speaking
2: <laughs> of the best of the best, <laughs> online we have Carl Sheeler, PhD, ASA, Manning Director and Global Group Leader for Berkeley Research Group. So, Carl, you you? this four-letter word, risk. How, how do we reduce it?
0: Well, there's a number of ways to do it anecdotally. For example, if I had a a CPA and I wanted to have a conversation with them, uh, I might have a conversation as to here's how I'm currently operating the business, can you take a look at my balance sheet and my income statement and make some recommendations of any trends that you found? Uh, you could talk to a firm like ours that not only can we look at your company and compare it against itself over several years called trend analysis, but we can also do what's called the comparative analysis and say, hey, we notice that your labor expenses are 40% higher than what's industry norm and that your repair and maintenance expenses is four times what it. No- Ought to be, and you haven't had any debt in many a year, so you're you're producing half the widgets in twice the time, and you're wondering why your profits are uh, dropping year over year. And okay, so the risk is is that you know about it, but you're not doing anything about it, and that usually comes back to the human capital. Okay, so then you have these gaps. So the risks are usually knowledge gaps or the resource gaps. Oh, I don't have the time. Okay, that's because you're blocking and tackling. Is there somebody that you could use, for example, like signature analytics? Okay, I want to make sure that they know that I'm giving a plug for them. The point being is maybe you need somebody external to the organization because uh, you're either too small or too dedicated to the day-to-day issues that you can't really work on the strategic issues, but that's what evolves the business. Mm-hmm. So the risk is not being able to do anything other than dealing uh, with the business on a day-to-day uh, basis. Other examples of that um, from a legal standpoint might be um, You have a buy-sell agreement, but the buy-sell agreement was drafted many years ago. You have different equity ownerships than what you did when the agreement was first established. It was never funded with life insurance. And uh, you have one of the two partners who's perhaps not as well as he used to be. And these are examples of operating risks that won't be captured until some event occurs. And you would hate to see me in litigation, or that somebody passed away. So it's for state tax purposes. So the point being is is that a lot of them are operating risks. A lot of them are the governance-related risks. For example, if you have more than uh, one shareholder, you do have a fiduciary duty to the other shareholders, even if you have uh, control. And if you have more than one class of stock, um, you have a fiduciary duty. And if you... Violate that fiduciary duty, an example of that is saying, I would prefer to pay myself more salary than to strip dividends to all these other shareholders that would perhaps cause you to run afoul. And have somebody knocking on your door with a subpoena, bringing you to court, saying that you breached that duty, and that's some of the examples of the litigation mm. I do. And sadly, a lot of this isn't interfamily. So you love your uh, daughter, but do you love her $5 million a year worth, which is <laughs> what the impact of her presence in the company and the loss of uh, business relationships and perhaps even some key employees because she wasn't really management potential, but you wanted to make sure that she had a job. And these are just little vignettes of all the things that happen out there that are very common in family-owned businesses. And I'm not just talking about the the uh, mom-and-pop-in-the-corner pizza stand. I'm also talking about $500 million, a $1 billion, $5 billion. Uh, a year family businesses. Hmm. These are not uncommon issues.
2: Yeah, and I I find that what you call intangible assets, I find that there's too much intellectual capital inside of people's heads. that hasn't been reduced to, shall we say, writing or a system or a process that if that key person were to happen to die, leave, become disabled. Um, In other words, they haven't gotten to the point of being able to duplicate it without a key person being in the mix. And that's potentially so unhealthy. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, know, in, in so many different ways. That's why I was saying it's not just financial capital, but it's human capital, because you're you're spot on, Richard. If you think about this, and I know that there are times that I'm guilty of this. I'll go away, and I've got a call from a client, and it's important, usually cause it's usually because it's a legal issue, litigation issue. But generally speaking, I'll return that call when I'm done doing whatever I think is important for me to do, because that's how I I best manage my personal life and my business life. But you have people that tap the answer to the phone every time it rings, even though they're on a vacation, even though they're with their kids and they're saying to themselves, they're rationalizing, I'm doing this for my family. I don't understand why they're giving me all this uh, grief. Well, if you're doing that, you're also crushing your business too, because essentially whoever you have there, you've already made a decision that they're not competent enough to take over the reins when you're gone. So if you were to sell it, the question then becomes, who's going to be running this business. It's not always going to be the person that buys it. Um, if, if it's big enough, they're going to have an investment group, and one of the first things they're going to look at is management. Hmm.
2: And, and, yeah, uh, in, investment group. Well, I know in the family office space, um, over the last, say, 15 years, there's been a disenchantment with traditional asset classes, stocks and bonds. Yep. Then, then we saw hedge funds come into play, but there became, I I would say, general disenchantment there, too, because frequently the the interest of the general partner and the limited partners weren't aligned. And so now you're actually seeing families go into what I call direct private equity investing.
0: And and there's an offering that I do, and I'm not an investment banker, and I don't sell any product, but what I do offer is knowledge. And here's just a, a simple example for folks that are in finance that would understand this and I know that Richard you'd be well aware of this, uh something called private investment in public equities. So Let's say that there is a company that's a small cap company instead of acting as an activist investor because either you don't have the talent uh, set or you don't have the time or the interest, but you want to see your investment do well. You've got the benefit of the the possibility of having a proxy sitting on the board that has governance influence Mm -hmm. then may have operational influence, and you have liquidity. So you have the best of all worlds. You have some degree of control which is why most people hold on to their businesses. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons that they sell their businesses is they want liquidity. Well, if you structure a pipe, and that's the acronym – You have the ability to invest in the business, and if the block is large enough, you can always co-invest, as an example. You have the ability to get seats on the board that may change the way that the company is operating. And anybody that's an activist investor like Carl Icahn has been doing this for decades very, very successfully. (laughs) I was going to bring him up Um, a little later on. This is just one example of a mechanism that a family could pursue if they're not interested in actively uh investing or direct investment in a private business we also advocate private business investment not to say that there aren't superb private equity groups out there but generally speaking not unlike uh actively managed uh investments very few of them ever perform to the index and if the index is essentially this is how the market's doing because you can't time and you don't have the skill sets that would give you a high enough return To cost justify. That's why CalPERS almost halved all of their financial Mm -hmm. investors. And we know that they're the 800 pound gorilla in the room from an investment standpoint, Mm -hmm. uh, not just here in the state, but nationally. So this is giving very affluent families another option that they they really didn't even know existed that well just five years ago when they were primarily going the route of a hedge fund or investing as a limited partner in a private equity group. Now they're buying the companies, they're putting in professional management, and we're we're referring to those professionals as operators. That's the new field now, Mm -hmm. is people that are very, very adept at taking good companies and making them great.
1: There you go. We're going to take a little break because uh, I want to save enough time for our last segment with you, Carl. But Carl Shearer, Berkeley Research Group, national expert on valuation. We'll be right back after this. Hey, there's Tommy Tedesco's dad playing on Bonanza. That's his guitar. And we're back with Carl Shearer. Managing Director, Berkeley Research Group, valuation expert extraordinaire Richard. But Joe, Joe, I was
2: thinking if you're going to go see Love and Mercy, you really should go see The Wrecking Crew first. Well, you know, I've seen them both. I know, so have I. But the point is you wouldn't understand The Wrecking Crew and Love and Mercy as much as if you didn't see it first.
1: Well, The Wrecking Crew, you have to see it, I I think, iTunes or uh, Amazon. Amazon, But you can see it online tonight if you'd like. It's a great movie.
2: Hey, Carl, I want to get to your book, but um, I, I wanted to make a comment about how many, many valuation experts sort of use a formulaic approach. In fact, my brother and CPAs were, were the absolute worst at committing the sin. And by that, I mean, I, I know people who do valuation, where if you gave them two companies that had exactly identical numbers in terms of sales, profit, cash flow, size, they would come up with the exact same value. Yet, in one case, if one company had a board of directors that consisted of, let's say, really professional, independent, and objective business people, and the other company had a board of directors that consisted of relatives, and friends who are good at nodding their head yes because they get checks. I would argue that the value of those two companies aren't the same, even if the numbers were identical. Would you agree?
0: Um, uh, widely different. Uh, if you talk to any private equity group or venture capital, one of the first things they look at is management and board. I mean, it, that says it right there, because if you've got uh, somebody that really knows how to steer an organization, deal with some of the issues that uh, come up, is not just looking at the blocking and tackling, so you're you are correct that it would be highly unlikely that the two companies would be valued uh the same There's a number of scenarios that are very similar to that where uh you you it would just be rational that you would come up with a different result but again it's one of those classic things you don't know what you don't know and you're retaining somebody that you're expecting deals with numbers but we we don't always recognize that there's a difference between an economist there's a different uh... and an accountant and even within the accounting community there's many different types of disciplines within accounting and then the same thing also true for finance so anybody that lumps all three together um, is doing themselves a disservice because they think that they're saving something by doing so, and unfortunately, um, they're not.
2: Yeah, the, um, the, there's a famous line about there's what when you know what you know, and you know what you don't know, and when you don't know what you don't know, that's where the risk is. But my um, starting just dist- sound like Donald Rumsfeld. But my, my distant relative Mark Twain, <laughs> Twain had a great line. He said, "He said the worst kind of knowledge is when you know what you know, but it just ain't so." <laughs> that's really
1: dangerous. How about the unknown knowns and the known unknowns? Yeah, I was watching with, it. With, that. Uh, that, that Donald, that's a scary. That's Donald a scary. Rumsfeld documentary. Yeah. but anyway, let's
2: let's talk about the book, Equity Valuation: A Tool to Enhance Value and Mitigate Risk, um, published by the extremely esteemed John Wiley and Sons. When's that due out?
0: Um, well, it was originally supposed to be out during the summer, but we're reworking the very final chapter in the book. There'll be four vignettes, uh, and it kind of it actually spells out. So what does this look like? You know, um, how would I get started if I'm an advisor? If I'm a uh, a startup? Uh, business, if I'm a very successful business and I want to go to the next level, you know, the, we're answering those questions. Quite frankly, if somebody was to read the book from cover to cover, whether they're the advisor, or the business owner, or the family member, I think that uh, the just taking one, uh, what I call knowledge nugget, would probably more than pay for itself as far as the uh, book is uh, concern. So answer your question, uh, right now we're looking at November release date.
1: Well, that's good. I think when people are back in school or whatever, uh, usually August, a lot of people travel. So I think later in the fall is probably a good idea. And you're going to be talking about, you know, trillions of dollars are going to change hands, you know, uh, with these baby boomers uh, in the coming...
0: Uh, they you know, are right now. And They yeah, are right
1: now. So, um, you know, you're addressing that, which is of immense importance to a lot of people. So it sounds like uh, it's a must reading for anyone in that category.
0: And uh, having uh, media um, share, as your radio show does, uh, is very, very helpful uh, to those business owners and potential investors or future business owners Mm -hmm. to listen and uh, take advice from uh, others than just themselves. One of the things that I learned in – pursuing an advanced degree in education is wisdom is the beginning of understanding all that you don't know. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when, when my youngest daughter went away to San Jose State last year at the age of 17, she called me up one day and she goes, I didn't know how much I didn't know till I got to college. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, don't feel bad because when Galileo was on his deathbed, I think, his, yeah, I think when Galileo was taking his last breath, he said, I don't know anything. So, you know.
2: <laughs> he, he was wrong, but
1: need to make a little self-esteem problem there. I don't know, but uh, he certainly was a brilliant man. But you're right. I mean, they have that humility that you realize there's certain things I don't know. I need to reach out to other experts in certain situations uh, or find other resources like your book. You, you know, um, that, those are the people who I think really excel at life. Right?
0: Well, individuals like uh, Richard, who who really I I think. He embodies the the notion of uh, giver's gain, uh, that we're here as uh, stewards, Mm -hmm. and if you have somebody that has the humility of saying, I need some help, you want to help them. Um, Rich, and Richard's it's pretty it's extraordinary. Money I, I, that you can well, make well, thanks for the
1: compliments, guy. <laughs> well, I've always—I forgot to mention—you know—all these—all of our sponsors are your personal colleagues in the, prof, in, the in the professions, and uh, I don't know too many other people who have a team like that. You know, in in your realm, so yeah, uh, I'm sort of
2: the ringleader of this amazing <laughs> amazing group of people that have so much knowledge and wisdom. And of course, the fun thing about the radio show is every Saturday night I get to learn something new. Yeah. So, but,
1: uh, but the cool thing, I mean, I mean, I don't know how many other people operate the way you do, Richard, but I mean... All, it's different. Yeah. So, but Carl,
2: don't you agree? I, I mean, to set yourself apart from the crowd as a valuation expert, a CPA, an attorney, a wealth advisor, don't you have to be different?
0: Uh, I would argue you do. And and one of the best ways that I know to do that, and it's a very frightening investment because you have to change the model that you're currently using, is to think long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that if you're working with somebody and you're, you're not thinking about, well, what am I going to get in return from, from you? Uh, because the moment that you do that, you're going to chase after the almighty buck. Yeah, a transaction. Really you'll you'll do a transaction. You'll,
2: you'll, you'll, yeah. and,
0: and so you and I have had this conversation. Many, many a time. If the question goes through your mind, what is it that I'm providing my client in the way of value? Um, and then I ask the flip side: What does my client perceive? Um, if if it comes to the hourly rate, you're lost uh, because you're now going to have a conversation that looks a little bit like this: Yes, I pay you X amount of hundred dollars an hour for your professional advice, um, and I, I got what? I got something that somebody else can provide me as well. So what, another CPA is going to tell me something differently? Um, here would be an example, and maybe this will be the last thing I get to share before all the CPAs gang up on
1: me. <laughs> we got um, a minute left anyway. CPA so, goes
0: to the client, look, I saved you $5,000 in taxes this year. What the client ought to be saying is, is why did I make the IRS the bank this year? Right. If I had pocketed that money, I could have gotten a 20% return on my investment. Yeah, and I've and seen
2: that with uh, numbers a lot bigger than 5,000. It's like, why am I loaning? You know, the, the the astute investor is like, why am I loaning money to the government interest-free? Oh, just
1: so I wouldn't have the risk of a penalty because you didn't have time to look at the numbers. <laughs> yep, yep. Really? Yep. Real quickly in five seconds, Carl Icahn, any opinion on what he had to say this week? Uh, something we'll watch out for? Or?
0: Yeah, I, I think we should pay attention to somebody that's got their pulse mm-hmm. on, the, on the market.
1: Yeah, there you go. Carl, thanks so much for being our guest. We Carl, have really to, appreciate it. We have to yeah, conclude uh, the right there, pleasure. but it was it was great, and we'll plug the book as soon as it's uh, the time is right. Anyway, uh, next week, well, happy 4th of July, we'll have Austin Butner on, new UT uh, publisher, and also Bill Powers of Power Scuba. It's in your life. We talk about lifestyle and, and money and everything else. Anyway, good seeing you, Richard. Eric Rubelkava on our board tonight. Thanks for making us sound terrific. You're always a pleasure to work with. Craig Blakey, our account executive, we thank you. And Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB. thanks for all the great work and support that you provide us. You have a great week, everybody. Have a great 4th of July. If you have sinusitis, get it treated. (laughs) IYMoney.com for all these podcasts, commercial free. You have a great week. We'll see you next time. Good night, now.